Oh, yes. You know what time it is. It's time for another episode of the three in one podcast. Joining us from Cleveland, Ohio. Give it up for Mr. Pivot himself. International Ian Lamont Morgan. Up and under. Finger roll. We're back in the building. I got moved. I'm ready to go. Up and under. What was the move again? Up and under. Uh, finger roll. Like Gervin style. Okay. I got you. I got you. I got you. I would have went Dr. J if you were to go on, up and under, but I got you with the, okay. with the Dr. J. Okay. You're right. You're right. You're yeah, right. I got, you. I, got well, I, I got options. I got options. <laughs> and here in the capital city, they call him the Black Ben Simmons because he's full of potential. Just doesn't always reach it all the time. It's your boy, Malcolm Morgan. Sorry, guys, I didn't come prepared on that one. I just, I just won in. <laughs> I wasn't ready. The last one will be better, I promise. My man, how are we doing today? Feeling amazing. I'm feeling like uh, I, I feel so good. I want to go buy some new Jordans. Um, wow. So I'm not on. Yes, I'm not on normally do, but I, I'm, I'm feeling it today. I'm do feeling it today. Do you have old Jordans? Uh, I, it's been years since I bought some Jays, mm. but it seems like they keep popping up. You know how the uh, your apps are listening to you, yeah. And I think I've been talking about shoes a lot lately, mm. so um, the Facebook is really trying to lure me in. Wow. Well, um, that was interesting. I don't know how we ended up on some Jordans, but you know, I'm praying that you get those Jordans. That's Thank uh, you. I appreciate that. Sounds like a, sounds like a good time. Uh, <laughs> so we got a lot of NBA basketball playoffs to talk about. Um, some surprising results, some not so surprising results. Full disclosure: we were recording once again on Wednesday night. The Sixers Wizards game is on, as well as the Knicks Hawks game. So we will probably not be talking. We will not be talking about those games. So sorry, guys. You'll have to catch either a. Uh, instant take or on social media at three one podcast Facebook Instagram or Twitter to learn about those games or just watch them yourselves. Follow, follow. Uh, but we're gonna start off with, oh man, the champs are in trouble. Lakers are now facing elimination after a gut punch, gut removing, life eviscerating thirty point loss in Game Five, one fifteen to eighty five. In Phoenix, um, Lakers just never, never really looked good in this game at all. Um, what, what what did we see from from the champs in this game? Um, <laughs> we saw them come on the court. <laughs> uh, we did not see them play a whole lot of basketball. Uh, it, it, I don't know, man. It was it was sloppy. It was. Um, it was disjointed. It was it was not a LeBron James esque squad. Um, normally, you know, even if even if LeBron went down, which uh, or AD went down, which he did during the regular season, there was still hope for the Lakers because LeBron. Mm-hmm. This is the same LeBron who in who in 2007 led a band of misfits. Uh, to the NBA Finals um, in his in his fourth year in the league. This is the LeBron James who, when they should not have, led the Cleveland Cavaliers in, what was that, 2018? 
mm-hmm. to the finals uh, with Rodney Hood and, and where the hood at and and Jordan and a Jordan Clarkson that hadn't figured out his life yet and all those guys to the NBA finals free tattooed Jordan well no he had some. Uh, but he, this was definitely pre braid Jordan <laughs> Clarkson. Um, and so, you know, you look here, yeah, you know, AD was out, but still had viable enough guys to not look like that. There was no good reason for them to get mopped the way they do, other than the fact that you're looking at a, at a, at a worn LeBron James. Um, I think, you know, a, a younger, more invigorated LeBron James that hasn't just come off of what happened in the bubble and, uh, you gotta, you gotta understand that these games are starting to take their toll on some of these guys. But I'm not going to let that narrative be dominant. Everybody's tired. Um, not everybody had as deep a run as the Lakers, but everybody's tired. So no, there's no good reason for them to look like that. Phoenix came, they hit them in the mouth in the first quarter, and they never looked back. Yeah, you know, I uh, get asked this pretty much every playoff or regular season. Are you worried? And now, now I'm worried because um, I've never seen a, a LeBron James team respond this kind of way in this kind of situation. Um, wow! Wow! And it takes a lot for me to get worried about about LeBron James teams because they, you know, they usually figure it out. Um, I'm, I'm also really surprised to hear this. Yeah, I'm also a, <laughs> a, a part of me is like this is all part of LeBron's plan to like just the last two games he's going to average forty five and and twenty and and ten and be like yeah I was just messing with y'all the last two games. Um, <laughs> so you know whatever we could we could just see the flip the switch get flipped you never know. Um, but look um, the the person that I am looking the most cross-eyed at right now is Dennis Schroeder. Um, No points. One assist. Four rebounds. 0 of 9 for the game. Um, And he just turned down a pretty sizable extension. Um, And he ain't looking too too much like a $20 million player right now. Uh, Amen. So I think that that's a big reason. And look, they're getting almost nothing from their bench for the whole series. Um, you know, KCP came back from injury and then he didn't return in the second half. Um, Alice Caruso is so up and down with his shooting great defensively, but the shooting has been up and down. Wes Matthews has only played spot minutes. Um, Marcus soul has been the most consistent outside shooter. Um, and even the Andre German minutes haven't been bad the last couple games. Whereas I think the first couple games yeah. was kind of unplayable. But, um, other than that, I mean, they're shooting 30% from three. And in today's NBA, you can't survive shooting just 30%, especially um, when you don't have AD. You need you need those guys to step up and hit those open shots. And then I even I started to see guys not taking open shots. KCP yeah. took miss, or didn't even take a couple threes. Kyle Kuzma did the same thing. Um, so those guys have to do that in order for this team to be successful, and they've got to hit shots. But I think a big reason why we're we're not seeing – I mean, they brought in Dennis Schroeder to be the third guy, and he's not being the yeah. third guy. Um, Andre Drummond is accidentally being the third guy. It's not even purposeful that he's the third guy on the team. So Schroeder really needs to step up and find some semblance of offense. I mean, I feel like he can get to the rim whenever he wants. It's very rare that he wants to for some reason. He likes to hang out on the perimeter – um, and, and kind of feel his way through, but he's quicker than most guards. He should be able to get by guys like Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And, 
and really dominate games. So I'm I'm really confused by his approach, especially in a contract year. And I'm starting to get a little worried. But as we look ahead, you know, the AD injury still looms large, questionable for game six. He said he wants to play, but it's going to be up to the doctors. Do the Lakers have any shot in game six, Ian? And what is, what is it going to take? They definitely have a shot. Um, especially because Chris Paul's health is questionable too. Right. That's the big thing. Um, and definitely, uh, um, did some more damage to that shoulder and a play with West Matthew that for some reason they reviewed to see if it was flagrant. Um, but no, he's just playing with a bum shoulder. He probably shouldn't be playing. So he, I think every play you're holding your breath. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at him take three pointers. He's airballing. You know, you could tell. He's just throwing um, it like it's not even a shot. He's just tossing exactly. it at the rim. Exactly. I mean, so his range of motion is not really there. His passes are not as crisp. Even still, he's making good plays, and I think that is amazing. Um, you kind of got to get tip your hat to that. But yeah, without Chris Paul, his presence, his leadership, without what he brings on the court, uh, those guys look to him. He is the guy that you know. Even if you're outnumbered in battle. He's riding in on the horse. You feel better about your fight because he's out there. And so if Chris Paul is, is not healthy, um, that's when I think you see Devin Booker revert to what he was. And, you know, toward the start of the series, which was not good, mm-hmm. he was solid in this game, and he was one of the huge reasons why they, they maintained such a good lead. But um, but they've been getting contributions from a little bit of everywhere. And, um, and that's good to see. Uh, but you mentioned it. You know, I'm concerned about DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Um, even in the blowout win, 8.7 rebounds, that, that's not it. Mm-hmm. That's not it. Um, and I don't see the Suns having another performance like that out the gate. Um, Dennis Schroeder's not going to give you zero again, like you said, <laughs> uh, which, is completely in, <laughs> which is completely inexcusable. KCP, uh, at least he's got injury to blame. Right. Um, but I don't think he's giving you zero either. And I don't even like these KCP, but I think he'll give you more than zero. <laughs> so uh, I, I think the series goes seven. I still have the Lakers favorited because they have the most battle-tested squad. But if they can, if Chris Paul can somehow stitch his shoulder together and give, you know, 60% in this next game, uh, and AD's probably not going to – I mean, we're talking about a going. He can't turn that around in two days and be able to come out and really be effective. So, I don't know. Injuries may be the culprit as for an early exit for the Lakers. Man. Yeah, I, I, it's going it's to be about shooting. They've got to shoot the ball better um, from, all, from all the way around. And LeBron's got to be aggressive. He was, he was aggressive. I mean, he, he seemed to start off the game aggressively and then kind of in the middle of the first quarter, second quarter, I don't know if it's the ankle. I don't know what it is, but he just kind of – became a little bit more passive. And then even even in that, he was getting guys wide open shots, even when he was driving to the basket, mm-hmm. getting KCP looks, getting Schroeder looks, getting Kuzma looks, and they just weren't yeah. hitting them. Um, so, so I think if they're – I think the key for them is I think we're going to need to see more Marcus Gasol to help spread the floor a little bit. And then somebody's got to step up, whether it's Caruso, uh, Matthews, Kuzma. Schroeder really needs to be the one because he's the only other guy that can really create their own offense. And then you could see guys like Drummond kind of fill in and help out a little bit more because they're drawing that attention. But I think even the presence of AD on the floor would be helpful for this team, especially defensively. Just 
the big thing that was missing in the last game is that when they tried to go small with like Morris or LeBron at the five, there was just no rim protection. They were just able to get to the rim at, at will. So it's hard for them to go without a center who's least, who at least is going to give them a little bit of rim protection or a little bit of a deterrent. Um, Cause some of those Chris Paul drives and Devin Booker drives were just blow bys and there was nobody there in the backside to help. So we'll see. I, I have a hard time believing AD won't be in game six. Can I ask you though? Mm-hmm. I mean, if if AD's not on the floor, you know you don't have rim protection. I know I still need energy and guys who are playing solid. Why do I only have twelve minutes for Montrez Harrell? Because of how bad he is on defense. Mm. He does the absolute. I mean, he does no rim protection at all. Well, given I mean, he wasn't worse than than Drummond was on defense. I mean, Drummond hasn't been bad the last two week, the last two games to me. On on defense, he he he's been very gullible and very. I mean, I, I okay, even the former six man of the year. I'm not I'm not understanding even from a perspective of we see it all the time in these games. You know, if if the starters are getting run out, mm-hmm. you know, you're going you're you're mixing and matching. You're you're going to some different things, which they did, sure. But I, I'm looking at, you know, even high effective they were watching for eye test and just looking at plus minus on the floor, THT, um, 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 you know, Montrez Harrell. The, these guys were at least somewhat more effective than the starters. And, and for some reason, you still play Kuzma for 23 minutes. I, I, I'm sorry. If, if, I get, if I get 18, 17 terrible minutes out of Kyle Kuzma, you can ride the bench, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting somebody else in for those for those other seven eight minutes. I think there were some combinations that the Lakers had on the floor that could have. Again, what are you looking to do? Steal momentum, yeah, and and at least build something going into going into the next game. They couldn't even do that. It, it was just it was awful all the way around. Yeah, Frank I, Vogel got out coached too. I think the the tricky thing with Montrez is that he doesn't space the floor at all, so he can't really play with LeBron. Most of the time, uh, so you can't really play them together. And then when you're not shooting well, his uh, his ability on the inside is pretty much null and void. When you're not getting anything from the outside, and you've got to play him at the five basically because he's not really good at at guarding the pick and roll or guarding in the perimeter. But he doesn't provide you anything in the paint in terms of stopping, driving, or blocking shots. So it's it's interestingly. It's tricky because then if you take if you put give him backup minutes at center, you're not playing Gasol and he's your best shooter right now. Who's the X factor for them to win Game Six? I mean, he's not the X factor, but Dennis Schroeder he needs to, he he shouldn't be the X factor. He should be the, somebody you count on. But yes, it needs to be Dennis Schroeder needs to step up. Over under twenty five points. Under absolutely under. I just don't I don't trust Dennis Schroeder anymore. Are you saying this is it? No, I just think it's gonna be something. It's gonna be something random in Game Six. It's gonna be them shooting like fifty percent from three at home. Okay. You know, Kyle Kuzma has you know one of those weird games where he has like twenty seven points and gets like four blocks and plays good defense. Andre Drummond has like a a weird double double, and he's doing mm-hmm. the whole raise the roof thing. And he's you know, can can Ooh. we can we please stop the Andre Drummond post ups? They're terrible. I feel like I say this every episode. 
Andre he's German post-ups up. are terrible. He'll get a dunk, and then he's like, oh, yes, I'm feeling it now. And then he, every time he fumbles the ball away, every single he ba- time. <laughs> he barely gets the dunk. Don't, barely. Don't that part. Yeah. Barely. And like you said, he's so gullible on defense. Give him one pump fake, and he's he's jumping over your head. Yeah, he's gone. It's uh, he's, 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 he's throwing it into the sand, but which you is, are laying the ball up. Which is weird because he's actually decent. He's actually one of the better centers in the pick and roll, oddly enough, as big as he is and as weird of a of a um, rim protector he is. He With his length and kind of where he, his hand positioning, he knows where to kind of put himself to make it tough for the guy to drive in and make the pass to the big guy. So he's weirdly good in that, but... It's just so many other little things. You're like, God, can you stop doing that, please? Just rebound and dunk. That's it. That's all we need you to do. We don't need you to post up. No sky hooks. Nothing. I don't know, man. From a basketball fan perspective, okay, as a LeBron fan, as you know, I want to see LeBron advance. Yeah. Um, Because I'm definitely more a LeBron fan than than I am a Lakers fan. Yeah. As a basketball fan, I don't know if I, I find myself wanting to see the best representation yeah. of each conference in the finals. Right. And I don't know if that's though. Right. Yeah, that's that's the thing now. I'm I'm like, okay, if they don't do it, if they get out of this round, I don't know I don't know what my expectation is for them moving forward. I have no idea what right. I expect from this team. Um How did we get here. Who's the two is the is the two six are the the three six that's <laughs> Is that Dallas Clippers, or is that no? That's uh, that's four or five. So Denver, uh, um, Denver, Portland. I mean, they would have yeah. a pretty against Portland. I'd feel pretty good, better about that matchup, to be honest. Absolutely, I, I would too. Well, unless <laughs> unless Super Saiyan Super Saiyan Dan Lillard, right? Yeah. But you uh, want to talk about a team that that has no bigs. After yeah, Nurkic yeah. went out last night, it was they were <laughs> Rocco was not the answer. They even had Carmelo yeah. Anthony playing the five, and I was like, "Whoa!" And they didn't even really try with him this cancer. It was just like, yeah. "Bro, just sit back down." Right. <laughs> All right, two possessions. That's it. That's good. We just need to get yeah. Rocco a break real quick. Come <laughs> back out. <laughs> um, oh, isn't God. isn't um that's not where um Whiteside is anymore. He's gone. No, he's okay. Way. I was gonna say they didn't even. They were like, <laughs> like, why is I don't even worry about it. <laughs> we don't. We don't need. We don't need those problems. <laughs> oh, why side get paid, young man. Um, let's talk about this Philly team. They're um up three one against Washington. I I I fully expect them to still win this series, but the Joel Joel Embiid injury is major, and it seemed Ooh. to happen on kind of a weird play where he fell on his back, and I thought, oh, he you know hurt his coccyx or something, and then they were like, oh, meniscus tear, which is really weird, but whatever. Um, so Embiid's injury is keeping him out of game, what is this, five with Washington. Mm-hmm. They, they feel good about being able to manage him long-term, but it's Embiid, and it's, you know, you know we know his injury history. It, it is unfortunate that it's happening now, in this kind of year that he's had, when he's really looked, just absolutely dominant. Even in this series, he's looked absolutely dominant any every minute he's been on the court. And for now him to kind of get a freak injury um in a series that they should win pretty easily is is kind of disappointing. Definitely disappointing. Um and I I actually, you know, the angle that I saw when I first saw the play, I was definitely like, 
and some with that knee ain't right. Um, all the weight that came down and the way it buckled before he went down mm. and hit the tailbone. It's it's tough with meniscus tears though. Um, how how severe are they? You know, I'm glad they they're saying that they found optimistic, but I think um, I can remember back when uh, the famous Pat Beverly lunges for the ball. Oh God. Uh, for Russ Westbrook uh, back in those OKC days. And uh, that resulted in a torn meniscus, and he missed the rest of the postseason for that. So the the, the spectrum of the, where this thing can go is um, is the interesting part to keep an eye on. I'm yeah. not, I'm honestly not too optimistic. I think at some point, you know, especially if the question comes up, you're talking about long-term health, and you know you got an MVP caliber guy. Um, I, I, I know they love to win it. And I think they have the best chance to still be relevant and maybe even make it out of another series without MB if they advance. So they would play the winner of uh, that, that, uh Yeah. Uh I can't even remember their name right now. Hawks Knicks. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think if if there's a matchup that's favorable for him to, you know, for him to sit out and for them to still maybe make it because Philly's legit on defense. Um, yeah, missing Embiid, it, it hurts them, but I, I do think that they would, uh, they'd be able to cause Trey Young some problems with their length. Um, and this is me proclaiming that the Hawks is the winner already. But really yeah, man, giving uh, up on the Knicks already? Come on, man. Uh, I would love not to, but Julius Randle forgot how to play basketball oh my God, at the end of the regular season. Oh my gosh. It's been that, that's painful, but yeah, man, I feel for the I feel for uh, MB. Uh, the injuries cost him his MVP season, and now injuries that cost him a deep postseason run. Yeah, I want to believe in the Sixers to be able to stay afloat, but Ben Simmons has got to play better. And while we're talking about Ben Simmons, um, the hack of Ben, baby, the hack of Ben, the Wizards down three oh three decided. You know what? Heck of been. That's how we're going to do this. And it was oddly, not oddly, it was very successful. I mean, up to that point, I believe he was one of 13 or one of 14 from the free throw line for the series. And they saw that and, and that and they exploited it. And as a basketball fan, I don't love the heck of whoever, but when you're down and you need to cut into some momentum or cut into a lead, this, the, the hack strategy always disrupts momentum because you can't your offense gets discombobulated. Even if you're on a good run, if you got your worst guy getting up there shooting free throws, it just takes so much energy out of the building. And so this yeah. takes this takes us back to something we've talked about a lot with Ben Simmons. When is he going to hit that next level? And can he if he's not going to shoot? He is literally shooting 0% from three for the playoffs. Even Anthony yeah. Davis is shooting 19%, and he's shooting terribly. Ben Simmons is shooting 0 he shot one three the whole series. Um, I'm surprised to hear he shot. Was it like a heave at the end of the half? <laughs> See, that's why I don't know. The, the data doesn't show me that. I think that should be a different category if it is, if it was just a heave. Because <laughs> it, it definitely wasn't a pull-up off the dribble <laughs> set play for Ben Simmons. And I love Ben Simmons' skill level. His defense is, is amazing. But that his offensive game is so limited because he does nothing outside of the paint. 
And then now you add to that this free throw shooting issue, which in a real playoff series, a team is going to exploit that. He doesn't want to get yep. fouled. He doesn't want to run into contact to even draw fouls. On the flip side, you have Joel, Joel Embiid who shoots nearly 90% from the free throw line. And he's looking to get those yeah. fouls. He's looking to get contact to do the little things t- to get to the foul line. So that's a big problem for them moving forward, especially if Joel's not 100%. If Ben can't be aggressive using his his size, his athleticism, his passing ability, then this team, I don't know where this team goes to get that from. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you said it. It, it, it this is the season where it finally seems like a coach, shout out to Doc Rivers, have been able to unlock the fact that even when you bring up the free throw issue and things like that, Ben and, and, and Joel, they should complement each other very well. Um, but I think Ben will pick up more of the scoring load. Um, remember, it's, it's not too long ago. I mean, he was going out and he'd give you 25 or 30. Um, and that's even with the limited repertoire. And I wasn't in the playoffs. Yep. And that's, that's the big thing. Yep. Uh, floor shrinks. Um, um, things, things change. Game slows down. And, and we'll see if he'll still be able to actually do that. But. I, I I can trust him to add, you know, seven, eight more points per game to his average um, if he's looking to attack, if he's being aggressive. But like you said, on the flip side of that, if ben, ben Simmons is coming down the lane, and I know how great <laughs> he is to finish. Tackle. I'm, I'm putting my paws on him. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's not getting close. And so, uh, yeah, the, the, the exposure and the, the – um, how, yeah, I mean, I don't know how to say it, but how widely exposed and, and how public it was for it to be in crunch time in a playoff game. If this happened at some point in the regular season, it'd be one thing. But now it's on everybody's mind yeah. that you can't shoot. And if he had so, hit those free um, throws, and, if he hit those free throws, they would have won that game. They would have won game game four if he had hit the free throws. Yeah, because he split the pair, what, three, four times? Yeah. Yeah, and... And more than that, even even if they didn't just win by three or just you know just lose by three or just lose by four, um, Washington was coming and they, they were trading two for one. Yeah, and um and and it, yeah, you're right. It came back to bite them, and uh, so Doc can he can take up for for Ben as much as he wants to. That man lost to a playoff game. Yeah, and uh, and that's that's yeah that's that's gonna be tough. I I I like Packard. Somebody, um, it and it's the way it happened. I, it was not on my radar. Yeah, not at all. Um, but it was a very, very strategic move at that point in the game, and I found myself excited. It, it, it heightened the drama of the game to see if he'd be able to overcome his demons at the line, and in this case, he wasn't. Yeah, you, I mean, the hope is that it doesn't. I remember I was watching uh, the Orlando Magic thirty for thirty on ESPN and they talked about, you know, it was, it was about the uh, Penny Shack expansion, you know, era of the Orlando Magic. And they talked about that, that playoff series where Nick Anderson, and, and I forgot, I remember watching it when it happened, but I didn't remember exactly how it happened, where he got up to the line, missed both free throws and then got the rebound, got fouled again, and then missed two more. And he was just, oh. he was never the same after that was never wow. the same after that as a not just at the free throw line but as a player he just completely it got into his mind so my hope is that when i was watching him i was like i, I would love to see ben sink these and just get over this this yeah. demon and just but then the other side is like man i hope this doesn't just seep into his mind and then he becomes less aggressive he stops looking for the ball 
and he just becomes a different player after this. So my hope is that he can he can in this next game hit some some key free throws and they get this win. They're able to to get Joel some rest and hopefully you know I would love to see the Knicks push this to seven. It's selfish reasons. It has nothing to do with Joel and B. I want the <laughs> Knicks to win. But <laughs> um, but yeah, shout out to Ben Simmons, man. Get in the gym, work on those free throws. That's it, man. One day, one day we're gonna have to talk about the process and and the 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 trail of injured big men and guards with shooting gifts. Oh man, yeah, they've got they've had some just some bad luck, just yeah, some bad luck. It's, I mean, it's, it's amazing to strike that type of goal. <laughs> so many times consecutively, but Could but you, I mean, MB MB came out of it. So yeah, you know. imagine if they had had Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, oh. and Joel Embiid, or if they had got lucky and it was Ben Simmons, Przingis, and Embiid. I mean, it gets more and more depressing the more you keep going. I, I can't remember who they chose Okafor over or Noel over. I feel like that was a bad draft. Like that draft was just a. <sighs> I mean, I'm about to go yeah. up right now, because it was. I mean, Okafor was was great in college. He was, he was. Then again, so was uh, so was Jared Sullinger. Okay, <laughs> um, first of all, whoever thought, whoever thought that <laughs> the yeah, round thought he was going the round mound that is uh, <laughs> uh, Jared is it JJ or Jared? I always get them confused. He's Jared. Golly, I think mean, they thought he was just going to develop athleticism uh, out of he nowhere. Got so yeah, the the yeah the pick the pick after Okafor was Porzingis, which I don't completely blame them for because nobody had any tape on him or had any idea how good he could be. Um, and, and then Russell and Towns were taken ahead of Okafor, and then after that, it's I mean, so it went uh, Mario Hozonia five, Collie Stein six. Manuel Moutier, 7, Stanley Johnson, 8, Frank Kaminsky, 9, Justice Winslow, 10, and then the only the only other player now in retrospect, Miles Turner, but yeah. back then, I don't think you, I don't think, I think they would have called you crazy if you would have picked Miles Turner in front of Jill Okafor. Probably, probably, but and then Devin give Booker, me a 13. couple of those guys over, give me Carly Stein. I'll no, call it a win no, over. God, no, ugh, no. Over what they have now with yeah. with Embiid, you can't even, you can't even play them in the same universe. He could be a backup center, not at the number six pick. I mean, yeah, you would have wanted them to turn out to be something different, but I mean, what what is the, what is Nerlens know? I mean, what is Okafor giving you right now? <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to speak disparagingly of the young man, but yeah, <laughs> but nothing. Uh, funny story, oh, Devin Booker was taking 13. Guess who was taking at 14? Who's that? Campaign. Oh, man. And they ended up on the same team. And Car Anthony Towns and Russell and D'Angelo Russell on the same team right now as well. Shout out to, uh, to Cameron Payne. They said that man couldn't play in the league. Y'all said it was obvious. He was a meme. He could not play NBA basketball. He was yeah. a meme for a while with those, with those dances with Westbrook. He was a meme. And then... He was. And then the bubble, the bubble changed his life. 
Man, I thought for sure Emmanuel Moutier was gonna be good, and that was I was wrong about that situation. I think, I think we all did. We should, man. We should take a look back at these drafts. This, this draft is rough. Good God, Oof. there's not a, OG Bobby Portis was in this draft though. Hey, look, OG Bobby P. Has he become wow, wow? I don't know. That might be one of the best players. He's one of the best players in the draft. In the what? He's one of the best players in that draft. Uh, yes, there are some. I mean, Devin Booker is probably the best player in this draft. I think. I mean, but I, I given from what you just said, Bobby Portis is top five, top seven in that draft. I mean, the second round in this draft was was actually might be better than the first. Um, Josh Richardson, who's on Dallas now, Pat Connaughton, um, Norman Powell. Wow. All second round picks. Yeah. Rashawn Holmes, second round pick. Oh, absolutely. Mont- I'm calling for Montrez Harrell. We we got to redraft the top ten of the, of the past like seven eight drafts. But I'm, I'm calling for that episode. We need to do that. That's that's gonna need to be. We have, yeah, that's gonna have to be a different than our regular episode though, because that's that's gonna take some time. Sorry guys, we went down a, a pretty big rabbit hole there, but. But you went with us. You went and with that's us. all right. Just make sure come back to the come back to the headphones. We're about come to talk back. about come on, go, come. we're about to talk about the second round series. We have our first second Ooh. round series confirmed finally, and I think it's going to be a while before we get another one. <laughs> um, Bucks Knicks in the second round. I mean, this is a this is an enormous matchup. Um, the Knicks took care of the Celtics three one four one. It should have been four zero, but you know the Celtics decided they wanted to play basketball one game. I guess. And then uh, the Bucks swept the Miami Heat. Excuse me, getting rid of their demons from last year. <sighs> and what what are the keys? Let's start with the Bucks. What are the keys for the Bucks to be successful in this series? Um, I think I think we need another word for swept because what they did to Miami was a little yeah, different. It was, it was, but, <laughs> um, could a whole team get monstered? I think a whole team got monstered. <laughs> I love it. Goodness gracious. Uh, oh, so disappointing. But keys for the Bucks versus the Nets. Play big. Play mm-hmm. big. Win the rebounding battle. Um, I, I don't think you want to try to – you don't want to actively try and outgun the Brooklyn Nets. But you play the possession game. Um, I always talk about my favorite Charles Barkley quote. You, gotta, you can't win if you don't have the ball. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Brooke Lopez needs to find his way to the paint. Mm. At least uh, for defensive rebounds, you know, he, he, he. I need. I need you to play like you're seven feet tall. Uh, but everybody crashed board and out physical Brooklyn, and, and I think they they have a very good shot. Um, Brooklyn cannot do anything with Giannis. They're going to yeah. try and build their wall. Uh, but I give him his credit, at least against Miami who I don't know how we can gauge them as a defensive unit. We thought they were something. They turned out to be something very different. But uh, they did not – Giannis did not fall victim to the Giannis trap that he has the last several postseasons. He's able to distribute the ball. He has a much more viable playmaker in Drew Holiday, and that has helped him a whole lot, and guys are hitting shots. They will miss DiVincenzo, but – absolutely. I mean, if you're talking uh, the the best defense they have against Giannis is Claxton. Um, maybe they dust off the court for DeAndre Jordan. We don't know. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, um, and Blake can he can physically 
maybe not a little bit of what Giannis does, but athletically, it's, it's not fair uh, at this point in Blake's career. So they have a they have a mismatch to exploit. But I think the other key is if, if, if they can find themselves plus ten in the rebound margin consistently game after game, I think Bob, I think uh, Milwaukee has a chance. Yeah, man. So I'll take the other the other side of it. Brooklyn, they've got to try to play fast because um, I think if if Milwaukee is able to set their defense a lot, it's weird to say this, but it'll be the most difficult defense they'll play against probably mm. um, f- for them. But I think I think the Nets have got to get out quick, try to get as as much floor spacing um, as possible. And not go up against that Milwaukee set defense. If they can do that, that kind of that can kind of help mitigate some of their size issues because they're. I mean, they got really fortunate playing against this Boston team. This Boston team is probably the only team that has absolutely no one to exploit their inside, their inside weaknesses. Um, and so yeah. I think this series will. I think in this series, Milwaukee should be able to exploit Blake Griffin more than way more than the than the Celtics could. Because Blake Griffin has been a revelation for them, but if you're relying on him to be the anchor, you're five um, a lot of the time. <laughs> I think you're going to have some issues um, over the long term. But I really love this. Is where I want to see this the the, the defensive poten- potential of this Bucks team show up because they can put a lineup on the floor with Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, Tucker insert whoever if you want to go og bobby p if you want to go pat Connaughton, if you want to go with brooke just to be big that that can create some real problems so i'm really interested to see the, the how the matchups and the cross matches are going to go for this team who is um, kd gonna guard are they gonna have to pay him more on Giannis? i'm really looking forward to seeing that matchup and then is holiday gonna get the main um guarding responsibilities against harden or Kyrie? Um, and I think how those matchups shake out will be a, a really big indicator of how the series goes. But I agree with you. The Milwaukee Bucks have a great opportunity to really take it to them. And it really has to do with their size, not just Giannis, not just Lopez, but Middleton is big for a wing. Holiday is big for a point guard. They can really throw size at this team. Bobby Porter's coming off the bench. P.J. Tucker, they can be physical with this team. And I tell you right now, if DeAndre Jordan is on the court and he's thinking he's going to guard Giannis, when he's playing the five, that is going to be a, a long night for DeAndre. Not, yeah, for DeAndre Jordan, and I don't, I, I don't think he gets off the bench in this series either. I think for my uh, for my Dragon Ball Z fans, they uh, they had DeAndre Jordan in the in the hyperbolic time chamber <laughs> training for such a moment, <laughs> trying to get Bruh, trying to get his level up. They, but, uh, they sent him on a they sent him on a private jet to uh, Germany and get that platelet rich. Treatment that Kobe always did. <laughs> Get some injections. <laughs> they gonna have him cut his hair like he had when he was with the Clippers. I mean, they're pulling out all the stops. They go, to see if they now they're gonna bring uh, they're gonna bring Brandon Knight into the into the practice on the practice. Oh line. my god! Just <laughs> <laughs> let him practice like, dunking on him. They'd be like, hey, uh, Brandon, can you uh, come run some drills? We might need you for the playoffs. All right. DeAndre, why don't you uh, get up in the post? <laughs> man, oh, that's man. hilarious. So, yeah. But man, uh, that, that man, this series, it should be good. I really hope this this can redeem a lot of these bad playoff games that we've had to watch if this Milwaukee-Brooklyn uh, series is good. Should we do a um, – uh, uh... Should we do a pre-series? 
you by the time we record next, they'll they already start, right? Yeah, I think their game one is on Saturday. Man, so my prediction for this series, man, I, I don't know what I know about the Nets, honestly, after this series against Boston. I mean, Boston was so bad. So they were playing f- not just one guy or two. They were playing like three or four guys that have no business playing in a playoff series. Uh, Romeo yeah. Link, Romeo Linkford for, should not be playing. Aaron Neesmith should not be playing. Grant Williams really shouldn't be playing in the playoffs either. Um so I, I honestly don't know what, I, but I do know that that Milwaukee looked really good against a, a really good defensive team in in Miami. So I'm gonna say Bucks and six or I'm, I'll go seven. Bucks and seven. Mm, okay, okay. Uh, I got Nets and six. Mm. Uh, with all we said, I think um, I think they will overwhelmingly outscore. And this is, it, it gets unfair because I, I think Milwaukee's going to play really solid. I'm expecting a couple of these games to go into overtime. Um, but I, I just think when it when it boils down to it, Giannis is going to be so much of a force. Mm. But Giannis is not a clutch bucket getter. Uh, they got a couple. Two, they got a couple guys that can do it now. Uh, and and Middleton is definitely you know he I think if no if if anybody is viewing him as a non threat or as a as a B level threat when it comes to scoring the ball you ain't been paying attention yeah Chris Middleton is 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 legit yeah but when I don't have to worry about Giannis on the perimeter I can maybe do some more things to crowd a Chris Middleton or I, I can make it a little bit tougher on on him. Um, and I don't. I even with him there, I think what the Nets have is overwhelming in terms of guys that can get it done in tight spaces. And yeah, I just think you know six games is where it'll go to. I won't be surprised at all if it goes seven though. But I still got the Nets coming out. Mm. It's gonna be a good series. I'm excited about those games. Let's let's talk about Boston. They were eliminated um, by the Nets, and then big news coming out of Boston: Danny Ainge resigning. As uh, president of basketball operations, he will be replaced by now former head coach Brad Stevens, who apparently has been pretty worn down by this season um, and, and last season in the bubble as well, which is I think that's to me, that's the bigger surprise. I think Danny Ainge was feeling a lot of pressure with this team this year. And I mean, there's there's a big job for whoever whoever's going to be running this franchise moving forward with the way that kind of the draft picks have, have fallen and. And some of the players that they've lost. So Brad Stevens has a has a big job to do to try to get this team back together. And I think that's the biggest surprise is that he he will no longer be the coach. Real quick, Ian, who would you like to see take over this the Celtics team um, from the head coaching position? I know he's going back and forth and bounced around uh, in different ways, but I I'm going Chauncey Billups. Mm. Um. You know, he's been tied to a lot of front offices, but um, I think he has the temperament and, and just knowledge of the game. You know, he definitely has the respect. Um, and, and I think he would draw the ears of guys. But he is just 1A. Mm. My 1B, another another ball black brother, uh, Sam Cassell. Mm. Uh, his rapport has seemed to always be excellent with guys since he started with these assistant roles back in 07. Mm-hmm. Um, and... and I'm I'm curious to see what he would bring. I think that's the thing. I, I know what all these other assistant coaches from all these certain coaching trees bring. Um, I, I'm I'm curious to see what some of these brothers who have been in the trenches doing some great things 
uh, what they'd be able to do. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that those those are my top two. Um, I'd love to see that. Man, I'm I'm really interested that that Lloyd Pierce's name has come up as one of the top candidates for this job. Um, yeah, I would love to see him get an opportunity. I don't know if this is going to be the one. Um, Chauncey Billups is interesting. He he's I believe he's with the Clippers right now. And he's been, you know, obviously angling to get into coaching for a while, and even in the GM position. I just don't know anything about what he what he's going to bring, in a literal sense, to the to the sidelines. Yeah, a name that we haven't talked about in a while. I have no intel on this. Who's interviewed for some jobs? Got kind of um, went up in the assistant rankings the last few years. Mike Brown with the Golden State Warriors. Okay. I, I don't know why I feel this way, but Mike Brown just seems like he's going to get an opportunity somewhere. Um, he has, you know, some experience with competitive teams, you know, been working in the Golden State system for quite a while, had some success as the interim coach there or when Steve Kerr had his uh, his back surgery. This might be an interesting situation. And another, I'll, I'll give you a sleeper. If the Celtics fall apart or not the Celtics if the Clippers fall apart lose to Dallas or lose in the next round Ty Lue might be a name to look at in this position as well he's a guy him and uh, he and Jason Tatum I believe are both from was it Missouri uh both Missouri mm-hmm. guys might be a little bit of a you know Jason Tatum if he's the face of this team maybe that's a guy that he would want to bring in somebody that he's obviously had playoff battles with and that he'd probably have a level of comfort uh, working with. I think, you know, the the next coach is going to have to have some sort of comfort level with the with the current stars on that team, uh, mainly Jason Tatum. So I would not be surprised to see a name that we haven't heard. Jason Kidd, God bless him. I don't think this is the right situation for Jason Kidd. I don't know if I would want Jason Kidd coaching this team. Got you. Got you. I do. Is there a Phil Handy sighting? Do we think that would be quite this the, is a job? That would be quite the jump up for Phil Handy. Yeah, it would. It, it would. would, but I mean, the man keeps going places, winning rings. He, so he does. He needs to do something with this Laker team. Can you help us out with that, Phil? <laughs> come on, bro. come on, brother. He would approve your hey, words. <laughs> it's, it's exciting to talk about these 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 black qualified coaches. Um, I'm not even gonna get into the Brad Stevens into the front office thing. Yeah, I don't know. Dude. Um, I don't know. Who do that either. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some some coaches that have been waiting in the wings, uh, or guys who have been working toward front office positions. But it makes sense from the aspect of, of they know Brad. Uh, he's been so close, you know, dealing with that organization and learning the ropes probably from Danny Ainge. He's probably been grooming him for a while now. I've been um, I've been so. checking my phone and checking Twitter for the last hour just to see if Jeff Van Gundy's agent has put out that Jeff Van Gundy oh would be gosh. interested in the Boston job because whoever Jeff Van Gundy's agent is does that pretty well. Uh, Can I just – yeah, <laughs> and that's all he does. Um, <laughs> is it dumb that I think Sam sent in New Orleans and just ruined it for the Van Gundy brothers all together? I don't know why Jeff Van Gundy is a is a, in today's NBA. I don't know why. Stan, I can understand a little bit because he did a little bit of the modern stuff with the, with the Magic when they had, you know, Rashard Lewis – and those guys kind of shooting around Dwight Howard and his, but Jeff and Gundy has a coached in decades yeah. and yeah. It, and he is in no way a modern NBA coach. So I don't even know what he would. I feel like he would just be complaining all the time about how no one's in the post to his players. Yeah. You do look up and he'll, he'd be taking a pilgrimage 
you know, to some other country. From he would he would go crazy trying oh to coach these guys. Oh my gosh! Get in the paint, Jason Tatum. Why? Um, other team I want to talk about the future of. I, I've been watching more Memphis Grizzlies in the last two weeks than I have watched Woo! ever in life. And you know, I don't think they're yeah. good enough to win this series. They've they've been really competitive. But what does the future look like for this team? I was looking at their contracts. It, basically, everybody is back next year. Justice Winslow, who came back from injury this year, hasn't really played in the playoffs, has a team op- option for $13 million. But other than that, everyone is basically back next year. What does the future look like for this roster? What, what do they need moving forward? That's a great question. I mean, I, it's easy to say, you know, the future looks bright. I think you've got to see what Jaron Jackson does yeah. um, moving forward because I think it's interesting. These, these playoffs have definitely shown that he's, he's a piece. Before a minute there, we were looking and we thought he, he might be a force. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of need to see what the what actually comes with him. But honestly, John ja, ja Morant, Jaron Jackson and Jonas Valanciunas, while you know Valanciunas has not been in the playoffs what he was in the regular season, yeah, that's still that's that's a big time hole to plug in the middle of the floor. Uh, so that that's a really 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 solid core. Um, I, I don't want to be prisoner of, of the moment. Dylan Brooks has been great, yeah, literally spectacular um, in these playoffs. That's not been who Dylan Brooks was all year, yeah. Um, but you know he finished the season strong, starting out strong. So yeah, man, I, I think if you add some more shooting, I think definitely. Um, and they shoot the ball, they shoot the rock pretty pretty well. Uh, but Ja puts up a lot of shots, and he's not quite yet refined his shot that much. And so I think you definitely need to put some somebody sharp shooting. I, I think some some size. Uh, so then, you know, stretch forwards. I thought about it. I think Kevin Love would mesh really well with mm. the thing. Um, if he can buy into, you know, a role that is not a not a star role, which yeah. I don't know where his Kevin Love's head is. Uh, but a sharp shooting guy who can who can still get it done uh, on the glass. Um, that would be it. Would be interesting to see how he would fit in. But I think that's that's also the veteran, the type of veteran addition that that put them on the next level caused them to be a two, three seed next year. And, and I think we're looking at them making runs deeper in the playoffs because uh, Jai has proven that he's a, he's a guy for a moment. Yeah. And, and that, that's what you need is a, is a guy who's ready to lead, who's down for the spotlight and uh, seeing him and Donald going to go at it has been great. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Kevin Love is an interesting name. I, I hadn't thought about that at all. And that in my mind, that that sounds really good. Um, it's just that contract is a problem. Um, so there need to be some. I don't know what they could do with that, but but yeah, I mean, totally right. look at those. Looking at those top guys, I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. I give him. I, this year is basically a loss for him. He came back and played what maybe six, seven games in the regular season after missing all the mm-hmm. season with the knee injury. He's just he's just now starting to get a little comfortable, and he's had to jump into playoff basketball. Um, and I don't think they had him at the end of the bubble last year either. So it was, he's, he's missed a lot of, a lot of time. So I still think he's a good player. I'm not sure what, where he is in this kind of, I mean, he's not, obviously he's not John Morant, but I think with another, with a year, a good off season, some good development, he could be 
a solid player for them. Dylan Brooks has really surprised me. He's he looks like he could be a really good, a really solid defensive player. He plays with a lot of energy. Um, and then offensively, I've just been really surprised with his game so far in the playoffs. Um, and they just have a bunch of like Brandon Clark, who's barely played in this in the playoffs, has been really good. Grayson Allen has been an amazing shooter and a pretty good defender for this team. I, I, yeah. I, I figured coming out of Duke, he'd be a good offensive player and a good shooter. I wasn't sure about the defensive side of the ball, and he's really kind of stepped up there. Desmond Bain is a, is a lights-out shooter. Xavier Tillman was huge for them in the playing game against um, Golden State, and he's barely played in the playoffs as well. So they've got some pieces. I think – and, and Valanciunas was great for them this year um, during the season, but in the playoffs, he's always been a tough guy to play in the playoffs, even when he was in Toronto, just because he's so big. Does it – exactly protect the rim good rebounder he was a decent shooter during the regular season but during the playoffs that hasn't quite materialized one name that hasn't really played um he came back late in the regular season and hasn't really played in the playoffs if if justice winslow could get healthy i think he's a guy that can really help them particularly defensively um yeah the, the big thing with them was when dilla brooks fouls out inevitably in every game or oh my god or has to come out of the game they don't really have another guy defensively that can do some of the things that he can do but if justice winslow is healthy he has that kind of defensive potential and he can give you a little bit of playmaking could play on and off the ball it's just the shooting with him has always been the problem but if he can physically get right what he can do defensively with his playmaking ability at his size gives you a lot of versatility in that backcourt and even some time at the three as well. But man, if they could get another score uh, next to John, the perimeter, preferably like a wing man. And I don't know who that looks. I don't know. I can't name a player off the top of my head. I mean, the player that comes to my mind, but he's not going to get traded there. It's like a a Jalen Brown type guy next to John Marino. Wow, yeah. Somebody like that that can really get a bucket when you need a bucket. I think that would be that would really help this team because Ja has to carry so much of that burden. And I think Jaron Jackson can be a guy that can give you a little bit of that. I think his best position is going to be at the five. So then maybe Valanciunas is the guy that you look to move. Um, and man, a, a front court with a healthy Jaron Jackson and, and Kevin Love would be really that would really open up the floor for John Moran a lot. It would really allow him to really play, make, and get to the rim a lot easier. Um, but I, I just love their, their, this team is really well coached defensively. They've been really, really good this this year. But if they can add a couple more offensive pieces to this team, um, man, the sky is really the limit for Memphis. Oddly enough, I think a Demar Derozan. Like, oh, that would, be that really would too. yeah, yeah. But that's the, the thing with him though is. He he shot the ball just a little bit better from from three. Yeah, you need true. as much floor spacing as you can get with John Moran. He's just not just not even a threat from three. And he's with that. If you try to play him and Dylan Brooks together, you're probably a little a little undersized. And I I wouldn't want to take Dylan Brooks minutes away for Demar Derozan. So that's the Demar's an interesting name this offseason to look at. What what kind of yeah. role is he looking for? What kind of team can he help? I mean. This is not on the rundown, but what man? What kind of situation? What team would do you think would be a good situation for Demar? I I think he he's got to buy into a. Uh, uh, I think he's great in that third score, mm-hmm. but one of the 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 backup facilitator roles. So yeah, if I get to twenty points, cool. But I'm gonna give you eight nine assists. 
and I'm going to fill in really, really well. And and his last several years, he's gotten really, really good at filling in those gaps. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle with this because you're right. The shooting really kind of becomes the difference. Yeah. And you think about what team has enough shooting that could kind of withstand uh, um, a little bit of, of his lack of shooting. I don't know. I, I, my mind wants to go clip. My mind wants to go three places: Clippers, Dallas, or Miami. Do they need another mute basketball player? I don't know. If that's a good idea. No, definitely <laughs> not. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there, there's so many things that I, I don't. Yeah, I don't want for them. But um, here's here's a weird. Here's I'm I'm looking at a list of teams right now. There's a couple situations that popped out immediately. Golden State. With Steph and Clay, and Demar playing mostly, th- you know, maybe off the bench or as a three, does that make any sense? Well, they need score. That- they need some more scoring to help Steph, but there's enough shooting there to kind of cover up for what he doesn't do. Are you moving Clay to the three? Possibly. I, I mean, Dem- he could play the three defensively. Because I don't think I want Demar as my as my small forward. I think that's that's my only. Yeah, but he doesn't have to D- defensively. You can you can put um. You could put Clay on threes. Yeah, no, I, I I don't hate it. I definitely think he um he's an upgrade. I I yeah yeah I, I think there's there's some ways that that could work out. Or the other definitely. the other two situations, if he could accept a bench role on a team like Philly, mm. well, you could bring a guy like that off the bench. They need help on their bench. Mm. But to be able to bring a guy like him off the bench, and then the other another team I thought of was Dallas, who needs I think they need another yeah. scorer guy who can get to the bucket other than Luca. Yep. Um, yep. You know it would be it'd be important that Porzingis is healthy and shooting well for that team, and then how they build out the rest of that roster. But but uh, but Luca needs some help. <laughs> needs somebody yeah, else that can, that can get a basket. And then one more one more team I throw out there: the Knicks. The Knicks need scoring. They've been pretty. It's been pretty clear in this series. They need some scoring. Could a guy like Demar accept a role there? I don't know. Interesting question. I, if Alec Burks can maintain this and take a step forward next year, I, I like him better for them. Yeah. At that two guard, but I mean, you you said something about bench roles. And I and I I think at this point these these roles are kind of getting a different with what Lou and Montrez and now Jordan Clarkson's been able to do the last couple of years yeah. six men of the year I I think you're going to start seeing a, a trend of guys who are more willing to be okay I'm, I'm a spark plug coming off the bench yeah I don't know if Demar scores enough to be that but if you're a guy that can that can lead a second unit where there's you there's no drop off between the starters and when you come in I, I think that's that's valuable too yeah. Man, we flipped up to an interesting conversation. We'll talk some more offseason stuff, but man, Demar Derozan, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. And then he he may, maybe he'll surprise us all and go back to San Antonio. I don't know. Um, yeah, please no. <laughs> so we're running out of time, but I definitely want to talk about um, Coach Mike Shetsky from the Duke Blue Devils announcing this will be his final year on the sidelines after what is it, forty six years total coaching, forty two years at Duke. <sighs> Uh, five-time national championship, 12 times in the final four, um, all-time leader in wins in college basketball. Man, we, we you know we saw Duke 
I mean, not Duke. We saw Roy Williams retire this year. Um, we're really seeing a changing of the guard in these college coaches. That was one of my first questions. I, I didn't, I don't know how much it mattered, but I was like, man, if Roy Williams doesn't step down, do we see Coach K continue? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's going to coach this next upcoming season, but um, yeah, is is the guard has to change at some point, right? Yeah, right. Torch has to be passed on, but as somebody who was not, I was not brought up to watch a lot of college basketball. It was not something that I greatly appreciated. Um, you stick to those pillars, those linchpins that kind of draw you into that sport, into that, into that dynamic, into that the, the excitement of that game. Um, and just from a coaching perspective, watching how they manage those games, watching certain things that they. Uh, that they do and, and ways that they do things. And with Coach K, I mean, have an opportunity to see him in the Olympics as well. Um, I, I I told myself I don't want to lean too heavily into giving him his flowers. We got all year. Yeah. Um, just want to celebrate being able to see this man go to work Yeah. for one last year. Um, and, and honestly, I, I wish I had that for Roy Williams. You know, I know he, you know, he made the move that he made and everything like that, but I don't know. And you're a UNC guy. You can tell me if you're ready for Hubert to jump right in or if you would have wanted one more year. Uh, but since we're in the, since we're in the day and age of the, of the farewell, farewell tour, mm-hmm. uh, I am looking forward to hearing all the college basketball owes uh, uh, a debt to Coach K. Um, he is a name that's transcended the sport. And has, has brought a lot of, lot of, lot of good fortune, and um, uh, been a great ambassador for it too. So, yeah, man, just salute to him, salute to him, and, and having a succession plan. Yeah, that's how you can tell people care about what it is that they're doing um, when they when they invest in handing the torch off as if it's a major deal because it is. Yeah, and uh, and we'll see how recruiting and all of that stuff follows. You know, we'll probably talk about that at some point, but. Man, it's just uh, it was it was tough news. It was definitely bittersweet, but nothing but respect. As a North Carolina fan, get him out of here. As a basketball okay. fan, I mean, it's 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 a changing of the guard. I mean, we, and we've we've been through this before with the Dean Smith, Bob Knight, Eddie Sutton, that generation of coaches, and we were fortunate to have guys like Mike Shetsky, Jim Beheim, Roy Williams to kind of take up that next guard. Um, and now that generation, Jim Beheim, seventy six. Um, you know, every year is another yeah. question. Is he going to come back? Leonard Hamilton at Florida State is 72. Um, you know, who's that, who's in that next group of coaches coming up? I think it's the, the Jay Wrights. It's the Shaka Smarts is it's those guys that are kind of taking that next, that next generation of coaches. And, you know, Mike Krzyzewski is a, it's an institution. I mean, you can't, you cannot question his greatness to be able to win five national championships between 1991 and 2015, different types of players. He, when he had first got to Duke, it was all about the four year guys, the guys that stayed three years, three, four years, Jason Williams, Steve Wojciechowski, John Shire, Chris Carwell, Shane Battier, those type of guys. And then later on, he did it with um, groups that included like Zion Williamson and Jabari Parker and uh, Ju- um, Julian Okafor, all, all these guys. Um, so, you know, you, you got to give him credit for surviving as, as long as he has. Um, uh, Jaleel Okafor It's not Julian Okafor. My bad, Jaleel. Uh, we just talked about you and I already messed up your name. Um, but you got to give pretty him pretty forgettable. 
not at Duke. He was pretty good at Duke. Um, and so True. being a guy that's a North Carolina fan that had to face this guy every year, two, three times a year, um, he's he's just he he finds a way to get the best out of his teams and you know part of me will be rooting for him to have a strong season part of me will be hoping that hubert davis starts off 2-0 uh against <laughs> mike <laughs> but shout out i mean you can't if you say anything else other than mike is the goat of college coaches and one of the goats all time of coaches um you're crazy he is he is the best to ever do it did it at a high level for a long time. So shout out to Mike Krzyzewski. Shout out to his family. Hopefully this next chapter of his life is as fulfilling and he enjoys it as much as he did these last 46 years. Yes, sir. And I can't wait to hear about you taking over the Boston Celtics. Um, we have more that we were going to talk about today, but I feel like we've, we've, we've done enough. And so before we leave you guys, we'll leave you with our parting words. Ian, give us your parting words for today. Pardon words, I got to go. Uh, shout out to Naomi Osaka. Um, it was on the rundown for us to dig into, but uh, yeah, I think it's just it's just too important for us to, to you know to make to not mention. And uh, you know, if you want some some great perspective, check out um, Washington Post had a great article, yeah, uh, written by Christine Ember. I'm um, just talking about the weight of what her her decision to withdraw from the French Open means, yeah. Um, the reason that she did it, her willingness to speak up about it, um, in the day and age where one in eight American, uh, uh, 18 to 25 year olds, that Generation Z has experienced or are experiencing major depressive episodes. There's a lot of emotional trauma that's being highlighted and that science has come and, and become more informed about this particular, uh, um, um, uh, situation and, and, and condition, uh, for her to be 23 years old. Think yeah. about that. 23 years old. And she's the, the second ranked women's tennis player and one of the most highly paid female athletes in the world uh, to acknowledge that it's such a huge deal. I just encourage everybody, you know, if you are in a situation where you know there's something weighing you down, uh, uh, take that example of one of the most famous women in the world who's going to get scrutinized from older generations who doesn't understand what it means to actually acknowledge mental illness and to address it and to seek help and to try and make decisions and, and, and not run from it, but to address it, uh, to confront that. And, uh, I just encourage everybody, uh, um, that, man, what a, this is a true sports hero, uh, from that perspective. Uh, we've seen a lot of DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love. We've seen a lot of male athletes, uh, really leaning into it, but man, from the WNBA and, and all their work and, now with uh with Naomi here, I gotta salute the fact that uh, women have been pioneering uh, the way and, and and her profile in of it. I think just highlights it even further. So shout out to her, prayers up to her, um, uh, believing that she will bounce back because she's determined to go through and not around. Yeah, man, we really want to spend some time talking about that today, but we we had a lot of other things to talk about. Shout out to Naomi Osaka. Um. Yeah, I was gonna tell a joke, but shout out to me in a second. Um, I would like to shout out one Kyrie Irving, and here's why: you've had a great season on the court, just <laughs> as quiet as it's kept been a really, a really great season. I'm gonna blame you for a lot of this fan stuff going on right now because <laughs> you just out of nowhere brought up the issues that we already know Boston has, 
And then, of course, fans responded the way that they respond by throwing things and doing crazy things. I don't. Part of me thinks that this would not have happened if Kyrie had just said nothing and just said, "I'm looking forward to going back to Boston to play." Yeah, I'm gonna stick with that. I think so, Kyrie. I blame you for some of this fan nonsense, particularly what happened in Boston. I appreciate the stance you took. I speak appreciate you bring uh, speaking out about it. But I also think you kind of encouraged some of this to happen. And if we hadn't brought up something that was not brought up in an interview, something that we already already know about Boston, I don't know if, if we have some of these fan incidents that have happened already. And fans, calm the freak down, please. We're, we're just getting back to being outside. We're really enjoying being outside. We're, we're excited to have fans in the arenas. But can y'all please stop acting crazy? Because soon the only sporting events we'll have to watch are celebrity boxing matches and baseball. And you know a brother ain't watching baseball. So can y'all please calm down? I'll do this because baseball is amazing. Uh, but what, I mean, what about it happening in these other places? Yeah. Like, how, For, how do you link that? I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like we didn't have a whole bunch of these incidents happening all at once. And then I think the Boston, it just came out of nowhere. Nobody asked a question about, oh, the fans are going to be doing the crazy stuff. He just went, he just went off and started talking about it for some reason. And then something something happens. Here's, here's the solution. Get the guy who tackled that guy in Washington. Get that guy. He was on it. He was definitely on it. My thing is the guy still came from like, the middle seat right. made it onto the court. Right. So, that's that's egregious. So I don't know what's going on with security, uh, but, you know, shout out. I, yeah, duplicate him <laughs> 17 times. I think my solution is, my solution is these folks that don't, you know, uh, food and they're spitting on everything like that. Detain them. Put them in holding. And then when the team, when the game is over and everything like that, just bring them to that team's locker room. There it is. Bring them to that team's locker room. No cameras, no nothing, so that they can have a quote unquote mediation session. You know what? I think you start seeing. I think you start seeing these guys. Uh, no, but seriously, financial and legal uh, consequences. Um, I was looking it up. There's there's some outrageous fines if you violate. Zoo regulations to to do things to the animals that are not sanctioned, but we're having issues finding ways to uh to levy legal repercussions and and financial things. Nah, nah, it's gonna cost you fifteen grand for making such a gross a uh, gross mistake. You know, violating this whole privilege that you have, man. That or a low class felony. I'd love to see it. Well, there it I is. It. There it is. I'm trying to play the music so you can wrap it up. Because we weren't supposed I'm to talk done. about this. We tried to keep it off. <laughs> I just tried to get I'm through. Done. <laughs> I got fired up. Uh, it's all about the fans. We're passionate about the fans and the safety of our players. Well, that's it. This extended episode of the 3 and one podcast from Cleveland, Ohio, International. Ian, Lamont, Morgan. I got nothing. Brown for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Wow. And it's your boy. They call him the Black Miles Garrett because he's good on the court and on the field. 
It's your boy, Malcolm Morgan, and this has been the 3-in-1 Podcast. We'll see you all next time. Next time.